Hello and welcome to episode 75 of our SAP on Azure video podcast. Today is January 13th and together with Robert and Goran, we are here to talk about anything related to SAP and Microsoft. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hi, guys. Hello. So today we will take another look at automated deployments. Um, we have already talked about this in the past, about the SAP automation deployment framework um, using GitHub and Terraform scripts um, that are all available on, on GitHub. Um, but today we have Michael and Kimo um, joining us who will show us how they are using the SAP automation framework, the SAP automation deployment framework um, via DevOps. Um, uh, they, they have prepared some demos, so I'm really looking forward to that. But um, as always, before we switch over to them, um, let's quickly take a look at some news from, from this week. And I want to start with Martin, Martin Pankratz, um, who has been very, very active with his private link um, service scenarios where he has created a lot of blog posts. And the beautiful thing is now he has created this, this landing page where you can see all of these um, blog posts that he had created um, in, the, in the recent weeks. So I think this is a perfect landing page um, to get an overview of if you want to do something with um, the business you, technology can platform. Can you scroll and down? Can you really scroll down? Service. And just to see that that uh, that nice guy there. You know, I mean, just... <laughs> well, two, two nice guys, right? Two, ni two <laughs> nice. Well, depend. We could be also one guy, but depends which one is the nice. You know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you're you're derailing the discussion here, but I just wanted to highlight Martin's blog post. Um, actually, and um, one thing that he just also released is yet another um, blog post in the series, and that's about um, connecting um, um, the SAP private link services to other databases like MySQL and MariaDB. So if you um, want to develop an application on the business technology platform and you have, for example, MariaDB on, on Azure. Now, um, Martin outlines how you can use the private link service on BTP to connect to your um, database on, on Azure. And as always, it's a very, very detailed blog post with um, uh, all the necessary um, steps documented. There's also, as always, a GitHub um, repo um, with all the relevant content there. So, um, I, I think just a, another fantastic um, instruction of how to get um, started with um, the private link service, and in this case, um, yeah, MySQL and, and MariaDB as, as an example. Um, the next one, Robert, I think you brought or you found this and and, and brought it up. I, I think it's just additional uh, somehow nice way of of how to integrate uh, SAP systems with with Azure services, yeah. So it's you, uh, over REST API. I mean, it's everything possible. If you have REST, REST API, you just need somehow to point to that uh, REST API and that's all. Yeah? So mm -hmm. it's very nice blog to actually a two parts blog where mm -hmm. she uh, explained uh, Priyanka, if I'm not mistaken, uh, published very nice two blogs, how to do that uh, and how to really connect to, SAP, uh, to Azure Blobs storage and use it like normal storage. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's a very nice blog, detailed blog. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, cool. And 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 using the cloud integration service um, on PTP and then calling REST services. Cool. Yeah. Then Goran, you also had some some interesting <laughs> blog posts. Yeah, I, I just uh, somehow uh, yes saw this blog. If you go a little bit down, it's about uh, installing SAP System or Central Services mm. uh, on a more than two nodes actually they're also talking here about the three nodes 
Um, maybe if you can, yeah, exactly here. So it, it is a reflecting uh, Windows clustering, but I can mention also the Linux pacemaker as well. Uh, typically, customer would put it on a two nodes. Maybe that's a kind of uh, cost optimized solution. <clears throat> but actually, the more nodes we have, the, the more uh, is, there is a resiliency, right? And uh, actually, I'm just thinking, especially if you put, if you have a three node cluster in the zones, you, you could cross mm -hmm. actually across the three zones, across the three data center. I mean, <clears throat> that's kind of really a resilient solution, you know. The only point what is interesting or important, um, he is discussed on the Windows cluster difference between uh, ENSA 1 and ENSA 2, and your application 1 and 2. Uh, on first version, basically, you can have uh, Anchor application one. That's two. If you go a little bit up, it's I think it's one. Um, you can uh, configure it. Yeah, stop it here. Um, you could configure it on a, on a multiple nodes. It's not a problem, but actually you need to configure uh, only two nodes uh, between which would be a replication and failover basically happen. The reason is simply those NQ replication services always locally installed, right? For some reason. Now, if you go down with NQ replication server two, we have NQ replication uh, is a clustered instance as well, which is basically would, the okay. same. Like a question, Goran, would this be a chain replication because, or would this be kind of multi-master? Just between so, two. Just it's between two. Okay. Uh, NQ server and one repli replicator, right? Yeah. So NQ replication one is just a kind of you need to pre-configure between which zone or which nodes you want to do it, even if you have configured in multiple. Yeah. On ENSA 2, you don't have to configure it. You know, it's just uh, uh, it can those two stuff can run on any nodes and they can run on any node or NQ replication can run on any node because NQ replication is clustered as well. It's not the local one and in cluster it's configured that anti-affinity rules that they these central services and NQ should not run on the same node, of course, right? And on pacemaker is actually the same. So in that way, you can run on three or more nodes, uh, NQ replication server two without any kind of special configuration, right? So mm -hmm. just imagine, okay, put in a three zones or maybe an availability set, okay, it would be distributed as, across the three hosts. Right, so maybe it's an interesting if somebody is really kind of um, crazy about uh, yeah, very high SLAs, that could be a way to go. Right, mm -hmm. cool. uh, and another blog is always interesting. Um, I'm thinking, okay, this is kind of known, but the guy is talking about transport or slow, slow transport on Windows cluster environment. Uh, and it's a known issue that, I mean, a potential issue uh, on Windows cluster, you have this option called continuous availability, which actually is a fault tolerant file share uh, service. If you fail over and there's an open handle, there will uh, all open handles will be transferred to another side. Meaning, for example, if you run transport, and you do a failover there, the transfer would not be broken, right? Mm -hmm. So, but that has a certain implications uh, on the performance and some performance issue could be done. So, I mean, this is known, but the guy ran into issue. I've seen also sometimes issues, so he's a bit just discussing how to turn it on. Uh, actually, on a newer version of Windows, it's also improved um, uh, the, the performance here. So uh, expectation also on the newest 2022 would be even better. Uh, but it's good to remind people they might run into some some of those issues, right?
Ah, yeah, you're right. So this is for Windows 2012, 2012 R2. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool, great, thank you. Um, yeah, then I have two videos. One is um, uh, from Doosan. Um, so at CES 2022, I mean, it was all virtual, obviously, but um, there was one session with Microsoft, SAP and Doosan about the Teams integration. Um, so we talked about the Teams integration in, um, already in the past. And here we are talking about success factors integrated in Teams. And Doosan is actually one of the customers that um, uh, that, that we worked with um, in the last few weeks. And uh, they, they talked about their experience now um, integrating success factors in Teams, working with Microsoft, working with SAP. And uh, yeah, yeah, just talk a little about their experience in this, with, which I think is really interesting because we are getting a lot of questions from from customers that are using success factors that want to integrate this in Teams, and it's great to uh, see this statement here from from Doosan. Another video um, that was released just last Friday is part of the Azure Friday um, series. Um, there, there are over I think 700 videos in the time in the meantime, and I had the honor to join Scott Hanselman. Um, to talk about yeah the the integration of SAP and Microsoft. So we we showed there um, how to yeah access an SAP system via Azure Bastion. Then we took some data in Excel. We worked with the um, Power Automate solution to update data, and finally we also worked in in Teams. We, so we integrated some data in Teams and and um, yeah worked with the data directly from Teams. So if you have not seen it, take a look. I, I hope it is um, entertaining. Good, and then I want to close off with um, the blog post series from, from Bartosz. So uh, he had republished his blog post on um, using um, Synapse pipelines and Odata um, here on the Azure Synapse blog, um, this eight part series um, that really gets you um, step by step um, the, the extraction, then all the parameters, metadata store, handling large volumes of data so, so really um yeah filter and select um introduction to delta extraction and then the final part was the um sap extractor and cds views so um, a lot of very valuable um, um content um all the the information is also available in a in a github repo um that um Bartosz published here so i think if you are um looking into um Synapse pipelines if you have um o data services on the sap side then this um series is, is certainly something that should be interesting for you so with this news um i think we are ready to hand over to michael and kimo maybe michael kimo maybe you can start by introducing yourself i mean both of you were already on the show but for those of um, our listeners or viewers that have not um, seen the shows um maybe michael you can start by introducing yourself what's your role yeah. what you're doing and then i'm yeah. looking forward to your demo absolutely thanks Holger. so my name is michael Magell. i'm cloud solution architect for sap on azure and um yeah, showing with Kimu today the um, the Azure DevOps integration of the deployment framework, and very happy to be here and to show our baby. So, Kimu, to you. Yeah. So, hi, my name is Kimu Forrest. I'm a colleague of Goran, so we're in the same team. But uh, currently, I'm the acting development lead for the deployment automation framework. And as Michael, I'm extremely proud of what we're building. And and the thing that you're showing is essentially the way that we've looked at automation is that we're building this in waves. So in the first wave of the, of the automation, we essentially had you were using Terraform, running the Terraform commands 
to deploy the environment. So the next maturity level was that we actually created these um, orchestration scripts so that instead of running Terraform commands, we actually had a higher level of abstraction so that you could just, when you're deploying the control plane, there was one script that you had to run. And now with the DevOps pipelines, we're taking the maturity yet on another layer up. So you're no longer, you don't have to go and run scripts. You can actually schedule pipelines and do it that way. So this is kind of a journey where we're, we're moving from having the robust building blocks to, to higher level orchestration. And then once we have this, then we will start planning what we will build um, build next and hopefully come back to the show and show you the, the next <laughs> things that we're building. Yeah, maybe a ServiceNow integration or something like this. So yes. hopefully, yeah. But by yeah. the way, Kimo, what I see here uh, is documentation part of the SAP on Azure documentation framework, right? Yes, yeah. This page is actually still... Uh, you can see in the URL, it's in the review. So review, once yeah. we, so we're working now in parallel. So we're typically the problem oftentimes is that you deliver code and then you have to scramble. Oh, I need to do documentation as well. So now we're building this in parallel so that once we ship that we have not just the, like the product documentation, but also things like the hands-on lab here so that people can actually get their hands dirty and trying it themselves because it's one thing to see recordings and demos, but it's a completely other thing to actually try it yourself and realize that, hey, this is actually quite straightforward. Okay, then I think um, I start, yeah? So basically yeah. What, what what we thought is uh, really show you how the setup is done, because it's really in, in, in 10, maximum 15 minutes, um, the, the whole setup is done. And then basically uh, everyone can deploy uh, the infrastructure and even install any database, HANA database, um, and SAP itself. So I'm following, as you mentioned, this documentation that is currently in review. But uh, Kim, as you said, in two weeks we will have this released, and then it's um, it's visible. Uh, everyone can find it in our uh, uh, normal SAP on Azure documentation. So um, yeah, here we see what we what we will do. So um, de deploy a control plane and the workload zone and, and the software. And maybe to show a picture what this, this means, the control plane are basic resources that we need to be able to deploy SAP systems. The workload zone is uh, the, the VNets, for example, for the SAP systems, and then the SAP system itself. So this is pipeline one, pipeline two, pipeline three. And then we have pipeline four, which is downloading the software. And we have pipeline uh, five, which is then actually installing, um, a con first of all, configuring OS uh, volume groups, installing HANA database and, and the SAP part. And um, as a prerequisite, before we can do this, what we need is actually the, the, the DevOps project to be set up upfront. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is quite uh, easy and straightforward. So there's a link to this documentation here where this is all described. And that's what I'm gonna show. And it doesn't take so much, so everyone uh, willing to 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 do it can follow this um, here in in the video or jump over it if if you don't need to. So um, okay. Um, so what do we need? We need uh, we need to sign into the Azure DevOps. Um, so that's then available here. And the next step is to create a project. So for now, I create the project sub automation uh, two. Um, there are couple of flavors here. We can make it public, enterprise, private. The most common use case uh, will be enterprise so that uh, the one setting up and colleagues can actually work with it. 
Yeah, and a nice thing with the enterprise approach is that it, this is actually then tied to your Azure Active Directory tenant. So you can just invite people the normal way. So, and and it's more secure in the sense that it's not publicly open to anyone in the internet. So there's it's protected by Azure AD authentication. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think this is now available already. The next step will be to import the code and the pipelines and everything that 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 uh, uh, Kimmo, others, and myself have prepared here in many months of hard work. Really, everyone can reuse it and benefit uh, from this. And so we have to import it from GitHub. Um, and um, this is done here in the repositories. Sorry, it's actually done here. We import the repository. Yeah, and, and one of the other added benefits of actually importing it this way is that the customers are essentially taking a snapshot in time of our repository. So that means that they'll have the code in their environment. So mm -hmm. even if we're doing changes, those changes won't automatically trickle down to them. So they have the ability to refresh the repo at any time. So when, whenever we have a new release that is relevant to them, they can just uh, run run a, uh, a pipeline that will update the repo with our code. So that is also one way that we're thinking about the, the, the fact that if we're introducing something that breaks things, so those things wouldn't automatically flow into the customer's environment. Yeah. So we see the code has arrived. It's here. So what is the next step? So and then we are already at the step where we um, set up the actual pipelines that that uh, do the deployment. Um, for sure, we have to do uh, we we need a uh, service connection to the Azure Resource Manager. Yeah, and, and this is so as part of the one-time setup of the develop project, you need to do some level of configuration, like the importing is one step, uh, setting up uh, things like service connections. The service connection actually just provides us a way to say that, hey, if I'm using Azure, this is the credential that I'm using. Yeah. yeah. Again, so, this, is, this is a one-time activity. Yeah. And here, please use the, the manual service principle setup um, as we will use a service principle so uh, those details I, I won't show here because we will later on use the other repository where, where this is prepared, but just to show how and where. And yeah, and the, the benefit here also is that all the identity activities can be controlled by customers infosec. So they could actually, so we have customers for whom this uh, DevOps environment is already prepared. So it would be InfoSec that creates it. They would create the service principles. They would create the service connections. So then the SAP team that is using that DevOps environment, they don't need to, they don't even know the credentials. They're just actually yeah. executing those pipelines and using those yeah. services. Yeah. So then uh, the next step in the setup is to create um, variable definitions. We have two groups and uh, we simply have to create them uh, here in the uh, pipeline section in the library and so th these are essentially like a way that we can persist attributes across the different executions so these are parameters to the pipelines and the, the nice thing with this is is that you do them once and there's security assigned to them so you can the customer can actually make sure that they they're creating the with the right uh, level of, of, of access, et cetera. 
And also, as you can see on the screen, you could map these secrets into yes. Azure Key Vault. So if the customer already have some of their, their details in an Azure Key Vault, we could consume them from there, which actually makes it quite straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Kimo, I mean, we were doing internally a bit deploying and using the tool, but we were actually using the uh, Azure, Azure um, uh, um, those shell uh, command yeah, line, right? Yeah. Exactly, and here, okay, what I see, you are basically using the DevOps to as a kind of pl automation platform, yes. so to say, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. uh, so whilst Michael is creating those uh, uh, groups, so that's a great question. So the way that uh, Azure DevOps actually executes tasks, it has this notion of agents. So there's two types of agents and, and our uh, deployment automation framework actually leverages both. So the, the, the normal or the simple way to use uh, DevOps is by using what, what are called Microsoft hosted agents. So that's essentially a VM that gets spun up, uh, the repository gets cloned there, it executes the deployment and then it shuts down. So, so those agents are essentially kind of stateless VMs that just spin off and spin down. So the benefit with those is that you don't have to do any pre preparation, etc. The, yeah. the challenge with those is that in, uh, for instance, for us, since we're using we're using Terraform to do the infrastructure, and Terraform can run from from the internet, so to say. So because it's using the Azure RESTful APIs to create the resources. But then when we're using Ansible to do the configuration on the, of the VMs, Ansible will need network connectivity. And I haven't seen yet any SAP customer who would allow public access to the SAP VNets. So that's why we're using the other type of agent, which is called a private uh, self-hosted agent, which is a VM running in the SAP or in the management VNet that has network connectivity to the to the VMs. Yeah. We, we will come to this as well. And and go on, I, I was thinking to answer a question as well. What we did, what we had to do before was this in the shell you see when when you deployed it on the yeah. command line there is a lot of tape typing a lot of copy paste and um this is very error prone so people who start using it we saw that very often we had yeah typos and errors that could that could really be uh, avoided and i think the pipe the the devops approach i mean the the the, the control plane deployment is uh now with DevOps, it's one click. You run the pipeline and you, yeah, two clicks. Sorry. Yeah. So instead of uh, uh, many information gathering and creating lengthy commands, it is it is becoming so easy. And also, if if someone runs into some troubles and a deployment fails, um, you have to look in many places. But here, it's a graphical user interface. It's so it's so easy to get information and and so that. It, it can only help everyone, I think. Also those uh, people who are very familiar with BI and, and command line, but I think it's it's still an ad advantage from handling perspectives. So um, yeah, the next point uh, is actually now creating the pipelines. And um, there is a, a little thing on the permission side we have to do. I will I will show this and then I will show how we create actually the, the pipeline and then it's already finished, yeah. Um, so we have to go to the repositories and we go to the um, manage repositories and security. What we need to do is the, the pipelines uh, will actually run, uh, the first three pipelines will run on an Azure DevOps agent, but um, the, the pipeline four and five, as they need connectivity to our systems, we have 
to have a self-hosted agent in our SAP environment that is able to connect. So we can connect with DevOps to the self-hosted agent, and this agent will connect uh, to um, to the SAP systems and perform Ansible commands and so on. And uh, those pipelines, they write back information to this Azure DevOps repository. And to be able to do that, we have to add the permission to be able to, to, to write information back. And we need the, con what's the contribute, right, Kimo? The contribute yes, yeah. is, yeah. So we have to add the contribute and then a pipeline can run and also write back information. Mm -hmm. And we will see later on what what information we are talking about, and uh, that actually because this is really helpful information. Um, okay, then I think we are already at the step where we create the first pipeline, and so I will show this very briefly. I show one pipeline because we have to do this for five pipelines. I, it's already prepared, so I show it for one, and then we go to the other repository where this is prepared. Yeah, the nice thing with the pipelines, again, they're part of the repo and they're essentially, it's a YAML file that defines the activities that it does. So, and in our case, so since we have it in Azure DevOps, we can just choose it uh, yeah, using Azure the graphical user interface, but that you could also the, edit them manually. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> so uh, we saw it is in Azure DevOps, it is the in the repository sub Ah, sorry, I might no, that's that's great. It's in the repositories of automation. It is an existing pipeline because that's what we deliver from, from GitHub. And now very specific uh, now for this uh, for today we are using private preview, but in two weeks when we have moved it to the main branch, then you can use the um the main. Yeah, but today I have I still need to use the private preview. And it's in the folder pipelines and it's a prepare region. So that's the pipeline. Michael, just to, for me, and, and all this content is there because we initially um, imported the Perfect. Yeah, yes. yeah. We, yeah. we cloned, yeah, right. We yeah. cloned yeah. the GitHub repository. Yeah, and we can you quickly kind of look through the pipeline? We can show the guys a bit what, what it's built up. So essentially, like I mentioned, this is a, a YAML file that describes certain things. So it has a parameter section, it has then like the variables that we just created. Mm -hmm. So we're referring to those variables. And then essentially there are stages and step and, and jobs. So essentially think of this as a, a scheduler that performs tasks. So then it goes and starts and, and does these tasks. And these tasks are then logged into Azure DevOps. And you can you can mine the logs and you can see exactly what went on, etc. Yeah. So uh, once the pipeline is now there and saved, I want to tune it a, a little bit. Um, we don't want to have continuous integration triggers. That doesn't make sense for SAP system. We simply run it when we have to run it. Yeah. Um, so in, in our internal test, we actually have that because we want to make sure that uh, when we're introducing code changes that they don't break. break. So here we go with the control plane deployment, and here we use the private preview, and so we save it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then basically we have that in the pipeline here available, and now go to it and run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's it, actually. Um, I have to jump to the other repository to show the run because we have not all the variables and so on. Yeah, that's clear. But maybe we can uh, explain a little bit what, what we need to provide as well uh, when we run it. So we have here, as you can see, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, so. essentially, kind of like we had with uh, uh, the tutorial for the orchestration script. So essentially, we have two parameter files, and those parameter files essentially describe in, in this case, the control plane, uh, which consists of the deployment VM and the key vault and also the SAP library. So those two files are actually stored in the repository as well. And it, it, so this is the, the same name as you see, Management West Europe and Deployment Dep00 infrastructure, and then there's the SAP library. So these are essentially the parameter files that we then pass in into into Terraform so that Terraform can create the unique deployment. So as you can see on the left-hand side, as part of the repositories, we ship a set of samples. So we have a samples folder which has workspaces. So we actually have a few examples as part of the repo. So you can you can really get started without any kind of manual labor. You can follow these steps and and get the deployment done within within an hour. You can have the first infrastructure deployed starting from nothing. So that's actually, mm -hmm. the, and then once you have that structure, then what we do recommend obviously is that then the customers, when, when you start doing the planning, that you then also store your, your future parameters in, in the same Azure DevOps repo, because that way your infrastructure's code gets the benefit of you have version handling and everything like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now I'm switching to the to the repository that is prepared and ready. And um, let's see the so the control plane deployment. Um, yeah, so in this example here, I was actually deploying to North Europe, and uh, so I'm I'm using here different. Um, I did run this as a preparation. It runs approximately uh, ten minutes, as you can see. And so you, we will see here in the Azure portal that's then the corresponding resource groups. And here we see from the deployer, so it knows its management, it's the name, North Europe, the the, um, the region, the um, management network, uh, VNet is uh, department 00, and yeah, that's that's the deployment. Here's the deployment VM, for example, included, that we will as well use as a, a self-hosted deployment agent for the other pipelines. Yeah. So coming back to the resource groups, filter a bit. And the sublibrary, which is then containing the SAP binaries, is in this resource group. And here I deployed already as well the workload zone. That's the pipeline two. It uh, I gave it a different name to change a little bit. It's sub zero two is the VNet uh, here in this uh, um, example. And that is actually here now the resource group having the SAP systems included. So. Um, it's using the same VNet from the workload zone, and the SAD that I deployed is X02. We can go into this and uh, see uh, the, the resources, yeah, disk, uh, plenty of resources. And uh, where do we have the VMs? Let me search. Yeah, and here we have the virtual machines, an application server, uh, the HANA database, and an SCS. And coming back to the repository to show you how what I did actually. So I did. Uh, give the parameters here and and press run and then waited 10 minutes and then it was deployed. The same for the workload zone. 
there are not so many resources, so this is faster. In four minutes, the same, run the pipeline, provide the right reference to the configuration file. Uh, the deployer environment, in my example, it was management, but customers, partners might use a different deployer environment, um, so it can be provided here. And the same goes with the SAP systems then. And here, yeah, simply, okay. Yeah, so and, I and want, what we're seeing yeah. is that it's the deployment times tend to be very consistent. So as you can see, like this took 10 minutes, the workload zone took five minutes. So it, it's actually, like I said, in an hour, you can go from zero to have the first infrastructure deployed. So if I press, that's what I did. Uh, I pressed run and then it deployed. This takes as well. Yeah. Can you show the, the logs like from a, from one yeah, of these deployments? Yeah. From 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 which deployment, Kimo? Let's the take specific? the system deployment as well. So so this is the benefit with running in, in DevOps. You actually can go back in time and see, like you get the Terraform output, and in in Ansible we'll get the Ansible output, etc. So it makes it really easy to also validate and especially if something goes wrong you can actually see what went wrong so that actually makes it quite nice and azure devops takes care of of retention so you can define policies on how long you keep runs etc so this yeah. gives you traceability as well so here we have something actually yeah, i was here doing the um, download of the sap software and there is an error so let's let's have a look so it ran for one hour and 70 minutes, and I'm, I'm guessing that's probably a SAP has updated a component so the URL might have broken. Yeah, okay, because I think that's also important to highlight. Um, in the GitHub repo, obviously, there's no SAP software. So one of the steps is to um, use your own S user. I mean, yeah. this is just always in, in, in my specific user context to download the software, to make it available somewhere so that then in, in the next step, the scripts can use the, the SAP software and do the actual um, installation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we discussed now pipeline one, two, three. We have the mm -hmm. SAP systems deployed. And now what comes next? We, we have, as you say, we have to download the SAP software and then we can do the next step. And for downloading the SAP software, we can't use an Azure DevOps agent because they are too small. These are tiny containers. It's a lot of software, so you have to download a big chunk of, of, of files and then upload them to the to a storage account. And therefore, we are already using uh, our self-hosted uh, agent as well. And um, I don't want to show the details, just explain that, that um, we need to connect to this. Um, so we are using... Let me go back here. So we are using uh, in the in all the uh, so in this um, management infrastructure we have a one VM. This is the deployer VM, and so we need to connect to it and configure it as a self-hosted uh, agent. It's very easy. I I won't show it, but maybe one one tricky thing we have to connect it. And um, as Goran mentioned uh, or Kim as well. Customers don't have um, public IPs typically, yeah. So it can become a little bit um, tricky to to connect when customers try this out for the first time. They are not using their own their own IP ranges, and so I recommend using the Bastion. Yeah. So simply use the Bastion, and then it it is really easy. 
you might need to set the bastion up the first time you mm -hmm. go through this, um, but uh, but this is also very easy. And the uh, the uh, SSH key to connect to this deployment VM is in our key vault. So oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So this is nice and easy to connect to it. And um, which one is it? Did yeah, I that's choose? the problem. We have so many key vaults. So you, <laughs> we have the keys, but we don't remember <laughs> which key vault they are. Yeah, so that, yeah. but like the Bastion thing makes life much, much easier. And the, and then one thing that I wanted to mention also, so when we're using the self-hosted agent, it doesn't have a public IP. So we're not, a, Azure DevOps cannot talk and tell the DevOps agent because there's no public IP. So the way that the DevOps agents are actually built that it's actually the other way around. So the Azure, the, the agent goes and asks, is there something for me to do? Is there something for me to do? Is there something for me to do? And then when there is, it executes. Mm -hmm. So that way we can have in a secure fashion, we have the, the Azure DevOps agent running without public IP, but it talks back to to Azure DevOps. So that does mean that the customer will need to open uh, the, their firewall so that, that the DevOps agent can talk back to, mm -hmm. to Azure DevOps. But it's the good thing is, internet. Yeah. The good thing is we the, on the deployment agent, um, we have already all the tools installed and there's also the GitHub downloaded. So we can run here a script that we have prepared to, to set up uh, the DevOps agent I, I did this already up front, so um, we can't do it now here. But you can see it's um, yeah, it's already configured, and we have a script, so this is this is easily done. And this gives us then the um, yeah our self-hosted um, deployment agent in our SAP subscription, and then we can run pipeline four and five. So I had an an error in in mine, which I need to look uh, later into it. So um, Kimo, I think it's now up to you. You can show the yeah, the yeah. pipeline four and five yeah sure cool thank you michael so can you see my screen yeah yes yeah so essentially this is the the, the same process but we this has been this is our dev environment so this is where we've been running this for quite a long while already so essentially the, the pipelines here, so if we look first at the software download pipeline. So again, the same way that you would run any other pipeline, essentially we just say, hey, uh, if so I was doing a test and to see how it works against a new environment in Australia. So let me show you what that pipeline looks. So essentially the pipelines are very similar to Anything. So there's a preparation step that essentially clones and, and updates the parameters to the agent, and then it runs the actual uh, software download. So Imo, this... can you increase the size a little or zoom in um, a little maybe? Yes. Because I think it's really hard to see. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's my, it's my it's actually it's my wife's 4K monitor. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better now. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so essentially like the pipeline will will talk with the DevOps agent and essentially then it grabs the the S user, et cetera, from, from Keyvault and then it talks to SAP and then it starts to validate and sees. Uh, it goes and down, downloads the, the, the way that our 
downloader is done, it actually it's faster to check the storage account than it is to check to download the file from SAP. So the downloader will will see have we already downloaded this file? If we have, then we won't download it. Okay. And so then it goes through the bill of materials and then validates each each file. And we actually also use the checksums for these files. Mm -hmm. So that means that we can validate that uh, if a rogue agent would be able to upload a, a, a dangerous uh, SAP XE blah, blah, blah. And if the checksum doesn't match what's in the bomb, our download would, we would notify that. So that's a way that we added additional Stop. security. And so essentially this runs for a while. And then the net result from there is that we we will have the, the software downloaded the, into into the SAP library into a storage account. So what the way that we're using the software download is that we're actually collapsing all of the software into the same storage account because uh, SAP has unique names for the files. So there's no risk that we would overwrite something that is that is uh, used by something else. So that's why we can also minimize the storage cost. So we don't save multiple copies of, of the same file. So essentially the end result of, the, of that download is that we will have a storage account which has then all of the, the files downloaded. And but that means that we will have the full control on our side. Yeah, but Kimo, I mean, for the SAP installer, you need to have an SAP files, different one. And then you need to know which one of different products would have need a different set of files. Yes. And all those information you have in this bomb build of material yes. file Absolutely. and basically through that provided as user, you would automatically download the needed file without a user needing to know which one exactly. Correct. Don't yes, kit, right? exactly. So if I look at the, the way that we define the software, it's like you said, we have these bill of material files, which are part of the repo. And essentially, if we look, for instance, so these are the ones that we're now currently working on in purpose. So we're working on, on Oracle and also uh, Windows and DB2 based uh, bills of materials. But if we look at the one that we just deployed, essentially the bill of materials file has the, the relevant data that we need for the installation. So the, the name of the product, the product ID is because we need these when we're running SAP inst in, an, in a silent installation mode. And then, like I said, we have the list of files. So the customer, the only thing that they need to know is actually which application do I want to install? So it's the bomb name. And mm -hmm. essentially, so if we go back to the pipelines, so once we've downloaded all of the, the software, we would then move into the fifth pipeline, which is the configuration and, uh, and, and the installation pipeline. So this has multiple steps. So for so the way that we, we've created our playbooks is that we're doing steps in sequence. So we're, we have, let me actually open the same Australian one that I that I use. So essentially these are the steps that we do when we're running the, the full installation. So we have uh, the core operating system step, which will actually go and do OS patching. Yeah. And, OS patching yeah. and so you can and like with the Terraform, we can actually go through and see the steps that Ansible did. So like we're going we're going through and saying that are the, the repos uh, registered, 
etc. Making sure that all the packages that we, in this case, we were deploying on, on Zeus 12 SP5 so that we have all the right packages. So you get the full traceability so you can see everything that, that we did uh, doing the disk configuration, etc. Crony. So that is kind of the core. So, so in our case, this took like two and a half minutes. And then the next step is actually doing the SAP specific OS settings. So this would be things like creating the, the mount points, creating the, the file systems, etc. So again, we have the ability, we can see that the, the, we can, the full traceability. And if something would go wrong, we could see here what was the step that failed. Mm -hmm. So those are that's the second step. This one is uh, takes a bit longer. So this one will actually make the software available from that storage account onto the Sempra services instance from where we actually share it out via NFS. So this takes, in, in our case, this took 14 minutes and this actually goes and then downloads the files that we need. So like the, the kernel, the, the database exports, etc. And here you can see we have the checksum. So we're doing the validation that, hey, that no one has tampered with this. Once we once we have the software, then the next step is actually to install HANA and uh, nine minutes, 13 seconds. So this actually goes then and creates the, the unique username for this SID and stores that username in the, in the key vault. And then it installs the, the HANA instance. So it goes and, and runs HTTP LCM. And then you could also see here how long it took, et cetera. And then we get the, 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 the normal Ansible report. So in, in the installation, the longest running task was actually to install on I took six minutes, uh, sorry, nine minutes. And then, you mentioned HANA here, but but I think in on, on GitHub, you also have scripts for, for Oracle and, and others. Yes, yes, yeah. So the way that this, that's, uh, yeah. So if I take one step back, so the, the way that these playbooks are written, so mm -hmm. the steps will be the same regardless mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the database. So. The data, so we, instead of having a an HANA playbook, an Oracle playbook, DB2, we actually have a playbook that understands uh, which database is being installed. Yep. So th that is the way that we can simplify the pipeline. So the same pipeline and the same goes for HA. So actually the, the, the pipeline knows that this is an HA deployment. And if it's an HA deployment, uh, it goes and configures PaceMaker. So you don't have to worry about, you just run the, the playbook and it actually does everything that's needed. So 10 minutes, DSCS, three and a half minutes, database load, 35 minutes, the primary application server. So this is, again, in this case, I didn't have any application server so that it, it ran it, but there's nothing to run. So, but there's still the, the validations. And then what, what we are adding now is that, uh, as part of the deployment, we also want to make sure that we can capture not just the Ansible logs, because if we, if I go back here and let's say, let's take a look at the SCS installation. So here we will only actually see what Ansible tells us. So in our case, we will see that it goes and executes, it validates the bill of materials, and then uh, it goes and checks if it will be HA, it would install, but then this is, it just 
runs subinst, so it doesn't really provide us any SAP specific log information. So what we're currently working on, or what I'm, I've been working on the last few days, is is a way to actually capture the relevant SAP logs and also bring them back into the repo. So let me see if if this this is visible. So this is an, a, a run that I was just doing where we are. This is probably quite small, but let me see yeah. if, if I just do. So what we're doing as part of the deployment is that we're capturing the log files, the SAP log files for the different steps. So mm -hmm. we will have the SCS installation, the SAP inst dev log, the same thing for ERS, the HDB for, for the HANA installation, we will have the log files and we will take these files and promote them back to the repo. So coming back, okay. the reason why we need to have, the agent needs to have contribute rights back to the repo is so that we can take these log files that we created and push them back to the repo. So for troubleshooting, uh, the basis team would, don't need to actually SSH in to the SAS or, or DBbox deck. I can actually just look at the logs directly from there. So this is one of the things where we're actually driving for operational excellence and actually making it easier to, to troubleshoot and, and find things. So then in Azure DevOps, you have all the information. You have the Correct. all yes. the scripts here, obviously, all the direct output that you get from Ansible. But then on top of that, you'll fetch the installation files that um, are created when I run SAP Inst, for example, and you will promote these back into Azure Correct. DevOps so that I, yes. as the Azure DevOps user, have all the relevant information here yes. visible to exactly. me. Yeah. Yeah. And and also what we're doing, this is something that we're working on, is, is that uh, once we run it, we're actually creating also a, a markdown file as part of it, because once we've deployed it, so the question that folks have, so okay, we've deployed the SAP system, how do I access it? And like mm -hmm. where what's the IP? So so this is an, an early draft where we, we will essentially have an output from the Ansible deployment saying, hey, this is the, the system, this is started. the SID, we're using this, uh, and then this is the IP for your SCS, and your credentials are stored in this key vault within this secret. So then you can get all the data and then you can just log on to the system and, and continue doing the work. So so these two pipelines, like Michael mentioned, are the ones that we actually need to have the DevOps agent because we're running them directly on, on, on our DevOps agent. Cool. I think cool. that's a very, very nice end-to-end yeah. -end story. And, and it definitely, I think it will definitely simplify the way because I, similar like Goran, I also participated in the um, in, in some of the exercises where we had to um, use all the scripts where we needed to connect to to a shell, which I don't mind typically, but there's a lot of things that you need to input. There are a lot yes. of things that you need to monitor while running the scripts. And, and here I prepare the variable once I yes. run the pipelines and then I have all the the logs um, very easily accessible to me. So I think that's oh. that's a really nice okay. scenario. Timo, could yeah, you it, schedule it as well, uh, the, the yes. pipelines? Yes. Yeah. Multiple. Yeah, so pipelines can be can be triggered like we've been doing it from here, like running them manually. They can be scheduled. So one of the things that we're looking at doing for operational excellence, again, is that we could essentially run the Terraform pipeline, let's say, on a monthly basis and to detect drift. So mm -hmm. because essentially what the... But the parameter file, so if I look at the 
let's say take the Australian example. So if if I look at the so this is the desired state. So this is how it should look like. And then, but someone may have gone into the portal and and done some things, etc. So we could run this on a weekly or monthly basis and say, hey, actually something has changed. So we can mm -hmm. detect drift that way. So that way we can also nice. kind of from a governance point of view help help keeping things in shape. And and this is an example where like uh, we I've, I've just uploaded one of the the log files. So mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. this would actually give us everything in in one place. So the the infrastructure configuration and then the pertinent parameters that we need for SAP application, which like the which application am I installing? What is my FQDN? In which key vault do I store my secrets, etc.? What's the 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 SAP said? What's the database said? What's the platform, etc.? So again, this is like I said in a minute. So this is main, our main goal with this is to lower the threshold of starting to use our automation framework. So moving from the scripts to this will actually make it like much, much easier. And the nice thing with these pipelines, like Michael already alluded to, is that since they are in DevOps, we can start doing integration. So like we could actually think of a scenario where you have a a ServiceNow workflow where you're mm -hmm. defining your SAP system, you get the approvals in ServiceNow that triggers off the pipelines, and then we get the, the, the outcome that we want. Cool. cool. So, so I think the, the, the most important question is, when will this be available? When can we use it? So like it can we, be used now. Said, so it's, it's in public review. It's, you can yeah. use it now in the private preview branch. Yeah, yeah it's, it's available. So we are the way that we're working in the repo is that this is uh, we've moved to the new repo, so we have the GitHub Azure SAP automation. And it, in difference, like in the old repo, we actually had a lot of branches. Here, we actually only have two branches. So the private preview one, which actually already today has these pipelines. So you go to to the uh, deploy pipeline. So these are the pipelines. So essentially, they're already so you can use them here. Right. But the goal that we have that within January, so within the next two weeks. So these have been uh, here already for quite a while, and we've been running daily builds of the infrastructure now for for a month. So we're now just doing the final polishing of adding the markdown files, etc. But mm -hmm. by end of month, we're, our goal is to actually push the pipelines and the documentation up to 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 the main branch, and then the documentation to to docs.dasher.com. Cool. I think that's really great. And I'm sure this will help a lot of customers um, to get started and install an SAP system or even partners that can leverage this um, to and, and modify it according to their requirements and then um, use it to install SAP systems. Yes, and like all the same capabilities. So even though we're running it from a pipeline, all the same capabilities that you have, if you want to have your own custom naming convention, mm -hmm. that, that applies here as well if you have custom disk sizing. So we're not uh losing anything by moving to devops in fact we're actually we're gaining we're gaining the logs we're gaining the 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 ux and we're yeah. also gaining like the enterprise uh credentials so that the devops repository is protected by azure ad which a lot of customers tend to be a bit skeptic on public github for internal things so so our goal is essentially to say hey you can use azure devops for your configuration and then just our code from there so then everything is 
kind of a, in the same secure bubble, so to say. Cool. Really and great. How much, how much time, let's say, uh, S4 HANA installation takes time in average, your experience for both of so, you? So if I, let me actually, it was an hour or so? Yes, roughly, roughly an hour. Yeah. yeah, so if I go back to, uh, let's go to the, the pipeline and look a bit at, it's quite consistent. So it's typically an hour. Then of course, these are uh, empty environments. So if you would have a, if you're mm -hmm. doing a migration and you have a big database, then the database load would of course take a longer time, but it's typically quite consistent. So if I look at the, so the one that I did, this, uh, the Australian one watched was an HA deployment and it took an hour and 17 minutes. Cool. cool. Just, just and then, so this one, which took three minutes, this would be a run where you just run uh, huh? and it's already deployed. So kind of showing the item policy that we, we can rerun the playbooks and then they can remediate if there's things. But here's another one where you see an hour 16. So roughly like an HA deployment, 75 minutes and non-HA deployment like an hour or so. So you save some kind of one month of time per system, I guess. Well, or so more. yeah, ultimately, yes. The, the first few times that you do it, you probably takes longer because yeah. like the, the setting up the DevOps and, and doing the, the first TFVAR files. So, but then the more systems, the more benefits. So when you do your third or fourth or fifth system, then it starts to become really a, a, a rapid activity. Mm -hmm. Cool. I just cool. want to highlight one last thing that you briefly mentioned, which I think is also really important. So this is not only for fresh systems, but the, the Terraform and Ansible scripts actually provide you with the flexibility that I can take my own database export and use this for the installation and then um, not only have a blank system, but really a system that maybe comes from an from a previous export that I did. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So in, in the in the new system, if I look at the bill of materials, essentially this is your database export. So you could mm -hmm. replace this with an export of an existing system, then you would just deploy Fantastic. and import that. Yeah. Great. Okay. Good. No, I think, Michael, Kimo, I think that was a great update on um, the SAP automation deployment framework with DevOps. And I, I'm sure we'll see more and more. I, I'm really looking forward to the official public preview with the documentation. And I'm sure we'll have lots of um, customers using this. Thanks. And I, I'm sure we'll see you again sometimes in the future yes. in one of our next podcasts. Yeah, we hope cool. to. <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 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 Bye.